Here's the beautiful truth in front of us today on Abounding Grace. The truth is that God is at work in all things, with all things in our lives. Some of the things he sent your way, other things he's allowed to come your way, but we know that in all things he's at work, all of it, the entirety of your life, the big mistakes that you have made, the big mistakes that have been made against you, the tragedies that you have faced, the tragedies that you might have caused. God's in work in all of them. And we know that in all things, all of them. This is amazing grace. When you're going through a rough patch, what do you normally do and what runs through your mind? If you're like most, maybe you create a post on social media. Some of us start worrying about it. Others start thinking about the possible moves they can take to remove the pain. Few are actually thinking about all the good that can come into their life as a result. That's why it's so important to be reminded of Romans 8.28. That's where we're headed today on Abounding Grace. You can be sure painful trials will be on the calendar in 2020. So let's see together how to view it all from heaven's perspective. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Yes, God is working even in that. That's what Romans 8:28 tells us. Yes, God is working even in that. Because he tells us in Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. As everything around us swirls in pain and chaos and confusion, when unanswered questions continually pop up in our lives, when we feel the sense of the situation that we can't control, that we don't like, that we didn't invite, God is on the throne, in love, working through it, working with it, working it together with other things in your life so that your trust and faith might be in him. There's so much of our flesh that we don't even recognize it until a crisis pops up. There's so much going on in our minds, so much thinking that doesn't line up with the scriptures that on occasion, this big, huge thing comes into our life and it reveals, wow, how I need you, Jesus. And Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is intended to be an encouragement to Christians. It's intended to really bless us. It's intended to show us and remind us that no matter what we're facing, God, yes, he's working in it. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he cares. Yes, your relationship is with the God of all the universe, the creator of the universe, the one with all power, with all knowledge, with all resources. Yes, God's working even in that. And he brings us into the family of believers where we can help one another through the process. Would you turn over to Galatians chapter 6? Beginning in verse 1, Paul encourages us as a congregation, as a family of believers, to care about one another. 
Now, I know that's the theme of Jesus, that we're to love God and love our neighbor. And Paul puts some practical feet to it in Galatians chapter 6. He says, this is what a church looks like. A church that's filled with spiritual people and unspiritual people. Spiritual people that are seeking the things of God and then those that have been overtaken, those that have fallen into sin, those that have situation happen and it's knocked the, literally knocked the wind out of them. You ever have the wind knocked out of you? I mean, it doesn't feel good. And you're gasping and you're gasping and you're gasping. You know you're supposed to be able to breathe, but you can't because it's just, just boom. You didn't ask for it. He says in chapter 6, verse 1, Paul does, he has a cry out to the church, brethren, if any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual. Friends, you want to be spiritual. You want to be spiritual men and women. You don't want to be religious men and women. You don't want to have religious activity. The banner over your life and over my life, we want to be spiritual. We want to see things spiritually. We want to be spiritual moms. We want to be spiritual dads. We want to be spiritual friends. We want to be spiritual sons and daughters and employers and employees. We want to be spiritual neighbors. Brethren, all of you that are spiritual, as you see people that are overtaken, he said, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. To have that gentle spirit about you. That word restore, you can circle it. If you don't already have written next to it, it means to set a broken bone. It's a medical term in the original language. He says, come alongside and restore that which has been broken. Now, those of you that have broken bones, you know that when they set the broken bone, it hurts. It's painful. You would think that as the bone is starting to be fixed, that the pain would go away. But in order for it to start to heal... It's a very painful thing to set it back. And as believers, that's our mandate spiritually. Hey, you see somebody that's messed up, you see somebody that's hurting, you see somebody that has blown it in a spirit of gentleness, come alongside of them. Understanding that as you come alongside them, a lot of junk may come out of their mouth. A lot of junk might come out of their life. But that's why you're spiritual. And you handle that junk spiritually. You put a stop to the gossip. You put a stop to the finger point. You put a stop to the excuses. And you say, no, no, let's, listen, friend, let's get our eyes on Jesus. Let's just, let's just pause right here and let's ask God what's going on right now in your life. Because one of the tools that we have as we help one another is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's not always easy in the midst of a trial to hear that verse, I know. It almost sounds like a cliche when you're in pain. And if you're not careful, somebody will come with that tool. They'll come because we've searched the scriptures and we prayed and we said, well, what should I share with them, Lord? How, what should I give them? And, and what we've given them is this verse. He says, Lord, go take, Father tells us, go take them eight, Romans 8, 28. Oh, Lord, they probably heard it 25 times. And he says, yeah, I want them to hear it 26 times. Because it's this time that they're going to receive it. And I know it's not always easy to receive that verse, but hey, it's truth. God is working, yes, even in that and as we help one another, you know, in this church right now, right now, in this moment, in this fellowship family, this room, who were here last night and who will be here in just an hour or so, there is a lot of pain in our church right now. There's a lot of suffering. We have precious brothers and sisters that have lost loved ones in the near past. We have friends in the church here that have had a cancer diagnosis. They're in chemotherapy right now. We have friends in our church that have gone through and beaten cancer and now there's a fear because the doctor said, hey, 
I need to check this out a little bit closer. We have broken marriages in our church. We have wayward kids in our church. We have real things going on in lives of real people. And you might think, well, I didn't know that. And let me ask you, as a spiritual person, shouldn't you know that? Shouldn't we be looking for those things? Shouldn't we come in not just for Bible study, not just to sing a few songs, not just to be seen, but with our spiritual antenna of saying, Lord, who would you have me to minister to today? And I know maybe you're in that place where you go, well, pastor, that's your job, man. That's what you're supposed to do. Aren't you doing that? Yeah. But how much can one man do? It's not just my responsibility. It's yours. The body of believers ministering to one another. Galatians says, Paul says, those of you who are spiritual, not those of you that are pastors or those of you that are leaders or those of you that that have a position or a title, the Bible says that we as a body of believers are to come alongside one another. Some people wear it on their sleeves and you can see it and you can just walk up and say, no, Ed, they're a stranger. They won't be a stranger after you introduce yourself to them. It's an amazing thing. You just start talking to people and sharing just lay hands like you're in worship right and you're just crying out to the lord but the guy next to you is not saying anything and you're wondering hmm you know i hear song coming over all over the place but i don't hear it from the guy next to me you kind of look over and you see a tear dropping down his cheek you think there's something going on in his life that you might just lay your hand on him and start praying for him maybe his wife walked out on him last night maybe he found out that his job disappeared or he had some who knows i mean we could fill in the blanks romans 8 28 is one of those tools that we can come alongside one another and encourage one another let's break it down come back to romans chapter 8 let's break it down word for word if you weren't here last week please pick up the study from last week it's really two parts we looked at a big picture in our study last time together in romans chapter 8 verse 28 now this is part two And we're going to break down the verse word by word and just look at it briefly. It says in verse 28, and we know. That word know in the original language refers to a certainty. That you know, that you know, that you know. It's a fact. And the conclusion is is that as Christians, we know. See, Christianity isn't some philosophy out there like among many other philosophies. It's not just a set of ideas where somebody wrote a book and said, here, here, take the book and figure it out on your own. Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is a person, Jesus Christ, that by a relationship with him, you have certainty in your life. Certainty in all areas of your life. That you can know that you know these truths. We're connected to Jesus Christ. Every word of God brings life to us. There are certain things that we know to be true. And my pastor's always taught me, and I pass on now to you, that we can't give up the things that we know because there are a few things in our life that we don't know. I mean, the foundations of life. God is love, and he loves me. God, he cares, and he cares so much that he sacrificed his only begotten son so that that gap between man and God could be covered by a perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. I know that. I know it not just for God's love for the world, but I can look at John three sixteen and say, for God so loves me. I know that. I know that he's rescued my life. I know that he saved my soul. I know that he cares. I know with certainty that he won't leave me or forsake me. And those truths become a foundation when things come into my life that I don't know. 
or I don't have the answer. When I cry out from my bed and I say, why, Lord? Why? And I don't hear the answer. I can always fall back on the things that I know to be true. Waiting for the answer from my Heavenly Father. I know that He loves me because there are things that we just don't know. We don't have an answer for every single question that we have. We're not going to have every single answer this side of eternity. We're going to wrestle with things, especially in relation to pain and problems and sorrows, especially in difficult times. But it's important that we not give up the things that we know for sure for the things that we don't know. So the circumstances might not change. The circumstances might go this way, it might go that way. But God, He doesn't change. I don't always understand trials, do you? I don't always understand them. I know that they're working. I know that God's going to use it, but I don't always understand. I mean, really, when it comes down to it in our flesh, if we were looking at the trials of life and it was like a menu at McDonald's, man, we would go to the 99-cent menu. That's what we would pick. We want the easy ones. We want the simple ones. We want the, the inexpensive ones. We want the small ones. But they don't always come that way, do they? They're not always on the menu. There are trials that you're going through right now that no one else in this room has ever gone through. And at the same time, there are trials that you're going through that many people in this room have gone through. We don't always understand. But the Bible reminds us that we know. We know our God. And we can rejoice not in the trials, but we can rejoice in the Lord and His faithfulness in our lives. The second thing we see here in Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things... Don't read that a different way, okay? Don't read, and we know that most things. Please don't read that, that some things, or just about everything, or everything but this. It says all. All things. Those of you that looked it up in the Greek this week, you found out that all means all. It says we know that all things, all things. The truth is that God is at work in all things, with all things in our lives. Some of the things he sent your way, other things he's allowed to come your way, but we know that in all things he's at work, all of it, the entirety of your life, the big mistakes that you have made, the big mistakes that have been made against you, the tragedies that you have faced, the tragedies that you might have caused. God's in work in all of them. And we know that in all things, all of them, his work in and through our lives is all-encompassing. It covers everything. It covers what happened when you were a child. It covers what happened last week. It covers the direction over here with a family member. It covers what happened over here with a friend. It covers it all. God is at work in all, all, all things. Paul isn't saying that he's going to keep you from pain, you know. Paul isn't saying here that we know that in all things, that, that all things are going to turn out very comfortable, very easy. It, it all is going to go well. He's not saying that at all. But that even if you experience pain, God will use it. God is using it. If you don't believe this little section of Romans chapter 28, verse 28, if you don't believe this little section, all things... If you really don't grasp it and understand it, if you don't really think it's a true, I bet those around you can tell. 
I bet if we spent a few minutes with you, a few days with you, we would be able to tell that you really don't believe this section of Romans 8.28, that you really don't believe that all things are working together. I think it's very evident and that there are people around you that see it, that it's obvious to them. If we spent some time with you, we'd learn how you've become very mad because of that thing, how you've become very bitter and very frustrated and how it's not just in the mind anymore, but over years it's been coming down and it's now a root in your heart because we see it. It's people around you see it. And the root of it is, is you really don't believe it's all things. We'd see how your relationship with Jesus has really, really become distant. Where your, life, your time and devotion has just disappeared. And how it's very easy now to start throwing stones at God. And to become very mad at God. It's one thing to be mad with others, but to become very mad at God. To blame God. And to put it all on His step. And say, look what you have done to me. Look what is going on in my life, God. It's all your fault. And the root of that, that ongoing process, that ongoing root, is the fact that you really don't believe all things. One or two things have tripped you up taking your eyes off of Jesus. And it's that one thing that you just wonder, how can this work for good? How can this work for good? You know, the, the Lord would have you to understand that in this place in your life, as the questions fly, be very, very careful that as the questions fly, that the accusation doesn't come against God. That the finger doesn't get pointed toward God. Be very careful to process the emotions that you're feeling, seeking to hear from God, not to fight with God. To hear from him and say, Lord, would you, you know, Jacob, he ended up fighting with God. And the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. Every time he would limp, Jacob would be reminded that you can't win fighting with God. And that the real area of life that God is teaching us is not to lean on our own understanding, our own flesh, our own difficulties. You know, we, we're so quick to jump in when a crisis happens with our own thoughts and our own ideas and our own solutions when God all the while is just saying, son, daughter, would you please wait on me? Just wait. Let me show you a few verses that I think will encourage you. Flip over to Psalm 27. So maybe there is something right now that you are crying out to God with unanswered questions. And the answer back from heaven is just to wait. Wait, son. Trust me, daughter. I love you and I care for you and I feel your pain. I know what it's like to see my son sacrificed. I know what it's like to give away my only begotten. And here he's just saying, wait. Maybe that's the Lord of the Lord for you today. And that's the word from heaven for you today, to wait. Look at Psalm 27, verse 14. Encouragement in those difficult times. And we know that all things. He says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Just wait. And then flip over to Psalm 37. We have another word, another encouragement in tough times. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now look at Psalm 37, verse 7. Yes, God's working even in that. Yes, he's at work. And he says in Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord. It's a good thing to rest in the Lord. 
It's a good thing to rest in him and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. No fretting, just wait. Rest. Wait for that answer. Receive God's encouragement. Okay, so five or ten or twenty Christians has come along and they've shared with you Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Receive it. Take it in. Let its truth just minister to your heart. Look at Psalm 130, verse 5. It's amazing how trials can get us to the place where we'll even fight the truth of God's word. Because feelings take over. Expressing emotion is not a bad thing, church. Having emotions is not a bad thing. But I'll tell you, it becomes a very dangerous place when your emotions lead you toward disobedience. And you're so caught up in the emotion of the event that you're not carefully waiting or resting. And as you're caught up in the moment, your emotions take you toward a direction that, well, you're disobeying God. Our emotions, Lord would have us to have them surrendered to Him. He says in verse, one, in verse 5 of Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I do Hope. We're going through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. But before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as you know, many in our world and even in the church are worried about the coronavirus right now. How might today's verse, Romans 8, 28, help us position our thoughts to what God is wanting to do in and through us? You're right, Larry. There's quite a bit of concern, and much of that concern well-seated in lives about this coronavirus and how quick it's spreading and how it's become a pandemic to the levels of a pandemic. And, and you know, we, we want to take the right precautions. We want to walk in wisdom. We definitely want to make... Uh, the right choices, but we also don't want to live in panic and fear and anxiety. The, the days of our lives are securely in the hand of God. In Psalm 139, he wrote those days before I was even yet formed, the Bible says. And so I know that as long as God has a plan for me on the earth, I'm going to live. And when his plans for me are over on the earth, I'm going to be taken into his presence And whether it's the coronavirus or it's politics or it is crime or any of the things that would that would come against our settled peace, uh, we are reminded that even something like the coronavirus, uh, even something with a we had to shut down a uh, you know a a hospital or shut down a cruise ship or shut down you know limit uh, behaviors, limit travel and such, that God is even in that and He can work through that. And he can use it as part of his overall plan and purpose for your life and mine. So trust him. The Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, be anxious for nothing, but pray for everything. And automatically, before the answer of your prayer is even given by God, automatically you get something when you obey that. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, or that word means to fortress. It'll be a fortress around your heart and a fortress around your mind. 
and the peace of God is amazing gift that he's given to us, and you can ask him for that right now. We sure can. So look to the Lord for the peace he wants to bring your way. Do you want to be used by God? I hope your answer is yes. And if so, you'll want to get a copy of Pastor Chuck Smith's book called The Man God Uses. It's our featured resource here in the month of March. Pastor Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of the lukewarm gospel, and the secret to the apostles' boldness in the man God uses. He also underscores 14 characteristics to be found in the people God uses throughout the scriptures. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work. You'll be helping people all across the nation to become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Romans. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 